0: FolgerPod, Pod, a podcast from the Friends of Georgia Radio. Our guest today just celebrated 40 years on the air in Macon, Georgia, and along the way, she got to sing on stage with one of the biggest country stars today before he was a big star, and she was set up to fail in an interview with Faith Hill. And who set her up to fail? Why, it was Faith's manager. Laura Starling is next. It's Katie Kiley, and I'm a
1: proud member of the Friends of Georgia Radio. These podcasts are just one way we honor Georgia's rich history of great radio stations and the talented people who created the on-air magic. Our website is loaded with classic air checks, photos, and videos from all over Georgia. So check it out. Then, get involved. You'll find all the details at friendsofgeorgiaradio.org hello
0: laura starling
1: hello how are you today
0: i am delighted to spend some time with you you have been a name that has popped up on my rolodex for years because uh, you were actually at fox 97 when i got back to atlanta At that radio station, but just a short time. So we missed getting to work together, but I certainly know your reputation.
1: Well, I was going to say, if you've had my number all this time, how come you've never called, Dennis?
0: Well, you know, I I didn't have a reason. Now I do. <laughs> we, we get to chat. A- and I saw a really nice piece on you on, that the TV station did earlier this week. On 40 years at WDEN.
1: They were in the studio Thursday morning and did a little piece. And you know how TV is. You give them all this information and all these pictures, and then they narrow it down to about one minute. They're exactly. really good at their jobs.
0: Yeah. Well, I want I wanted to go back to the beginning of your career because you grew up in Macon, but you started in Athens. Now, how did that happen?
1: Well, I went to school for a little while in Athens and um while I was there I was working part-time in the University of Georgia Public Relations Department. And while I was over there one day there was somebody from WRFC radio and he said, "Hey, we've got some part-time openings. Do you want to come over and do some radio?" And I had never done radio, but I I was open for a part-time job, so I went over there and Jerry Marshall, who was the PD at the time, hired me uh to work at WRFC. And before I knew it, I was working 10 PM to 2 AM every day and going to school. And um, it was a fun time.
0: That was a great radio station. Also, it was I mean, an exciting place to be and what a great way to start.
1: WRFC, the flagship station of the Georgia Bulldog Network.
0: You betcha. And, and then you ended up and, in, oh, I'm sorry. I was,
1: gonna, I was just going to tell you, and, and the one of the same owners of WRFC was also an owner at um, the station in Gainesville. So that's how that connection uh, came before Fox was bought by somebody else.
0: And you got to... Gainesville, but then decided to go back home and finish your degree at Wesleyan. What what motivated you? Was that mom and dad's hands in your back? Hey, get that degree.
1: When I first went to college, I went to a little college called Andrew College in South Georgia. And there were, I did my first two years there and uh, worked for the local newspaper there. And there were 400 students at Andrew College. And then when I transferred to the University of Georgia, there were 400 students in my first journalism class. Come that on. place was humongous. And there was no uh, nowhere for me to live on campus at the time. So I was sharing a a ha- apartment with three other girls and um and it just was it was just big. It was just very, very big. And um so, I don't know. And also, at the time, my father was doing some work. Uh, well, he was working full time um, over at Wesleyan College. So you know what that means, right? I so do. I mean, that means I could go to school um, for pretty much nothing. And um, so I came back, started to go in, going to school at, at Wesleyan. And then I started started working at WDEM full-time, doing 7 to Midnight.
0: I was going to ask you what your first job was there. Now, you, you were music director fairly shortly after you got there. You were appointed music director, I think, right?
1: I was the music director for a while, but not. it was a little bit later on. And then I was the music director for a long time. Now, remember, I've been through three ownerships. So, when I first started working at WDEN, it was owned by Tom Smith. Later on it was uh, bought by a company called Magic Broadcasting, which was
0: Don um, McCoy.
1: Don McCoy and Doug Graham, and then they eventually sold to Cumulus, which is where where I am now.
0: Well, you started with a fairly small company and and uh, you know, the the group owners were probably in the station a lot. And then you went to a much bigger company. So talk about that transition. What was it like working for Magic and 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 then suddenly to be thrust into a, a company that is, is a, a huge conglomerate?
1: I think it's just a little bit scary when you get into, you know, when you get a company and they get a whole bunch of radio stations. And, uh, and then they come in for their first corporate visit. But um, really, it's been... Um, it's been a great time. I mean, p- for the most part, uh, Dennis. If if you do what I found with with Cumulus and and all the companies, really, is that if you do what you're supposed to be doing, you do your job, then they kind of leave you alone. If you do do what you're supposed to do, and you don't have a whole—that's my whole goal in life, not to have any actual in any interaction with corporate, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, are, there are a lot of folks trying to stay out of the way of that bullet. Yeah,
1: but um, I've enjoyed all the ownerships. It's been different with each one, but also it's been great. I mean, it really has, and I've met a lot of cool people.
0: Well, Cumulus seems to have a really good support structure in in the programming department especially and in all departments but they have an awful lot of good programmers brian phillips and john demick and you know you can just go down the list and your guys down there
1: yeah they do they have a lot of great ones um i've met john demick a couple of times and you know you get that whole uh john demick's coming in for a visit oh we got to make sure we uh dress a little bit better and and are on the ball but we kind of stay on the ball. So, but it's always a little nervous when corporate's coming in, but he's a super nice guy. And, um, I just, like I said, my interactions with corporate have been great. Um, Mary burner. I mean, she answers your email within 24 hours. If you email her, I've only emailed her on two occasions and it was, and they were not. There was. It was not like a problem email. It was to, I don't know, something like, um, oh, I enjoyed your town hall or something like that. I mean, she answers you right back. So wow. that's cool.
0: That's that's that's, cool. It, that's unheard of these days. Someone actually returns your email. That's oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well what kind of what kind of coaching difference have you seen and and not that you need a lot of it because you've been doing this for a really long time but going from a small company with with you know I think Don McCoy had the stations in Panama City, which meant if you went to a corporate meeting at the home office, you had a great time. But it was a it was a fairly small little group compared to what you've got now and the resources you have now. So yeah, we
1: have a lot of resources. You know, Don McCoy never had me to a corporate meeting in Panama City. I, uh, he should have. <laughs>
0: yeah. What, what was he thinking?
1: But he was here a lot. I mean, he was in the station a lot, very active and and, uh, hands on and always a lot of fun. And uh, so those were some good times, you know, with those guys. And and I forgot what you asked me. What was the question?
0: I, I don't know. This is just fun. Let's just, <laughs> we just keep rolling. But I you, was
1: just thinking about how I didn't get to go to Panama City for a corporate meeting. I know.
0: I'm sorry I brought that up. Well, it was the idea of the coaching, though. And in other words, when, when you're dealing with the owners, when you're dealing with the programming people in the company, you have so many more ideas coming from a group like Cumulus, you would assume because there's so many more good programmers and so many great morning shows around the country so do you interact with other morning shows do they um, help you with that do they try to connect you guys
1: i don't interact with other morning shows that might be something that we need to do that would be uh, fun but i do like to go online sometimes and listen to different morning shows and see what they're doing and and uh, see what's going on. And if you drive up and down the interstate, you can rest assured you're going to hit on a Cumulus Media station.
0: Yes, you will. So uh, looking outside, maybe even outside Georgia, well, anywhere, anywhere, what morning shows do you look to? W- when you're listening around, who, who do you hear that you go, wow, that's a pretty interesting morning show. I'd like to hear more of them.
1: Uh, sometimes I listen every once in a while to some of the stations in Atlanta, but you know, here we've been pandemic for the last two years, so I haven't even been anywhere. <laughs> I I did ride up into uh, North Georgia one day and and listen to some uh, some radio up there, but um, you're probably not going to believe this, but WDEN is except for you know. Checking in every once in a while with a couple of shows here and there. D-E-N is the only station I listen to. I'm just a, I'm a diehard W-D-E-N fan.
0: It's a pretty good radio station, actually. I like it. So when you you started off doing 10 to 2, how did you migrate to the morning show?
1: Uh, When I came to I was doing, I was doing the 7 to midnight. I would go. Uh Work seven to midnight. Well, I actually came in at five. I'd work five to midnight. Then I go back to the dorm and study all night. Then I go to class. And then I work at a sandwich shop. And then I come back to the radio station. So pretty much for those two years, I never slept. You know, it was it was it was all work and uh work and radio. But um, but uh, then I started doing some news in the morning here and there when somebody would be out and I did some, a little bit of stuff in the morning with different people. Then I worked um, 10 to two in the afternoon on WDN. And I was actually going back to school. Uh, I got my degree in English. I was going back to school. I was going to go get my teacher certificate and teach English. And then when I moved to daytimes on the radio, then that was all she wrote. I just, I was radio full-time. So I, I never did I did some substitute teaching, but that was about it. Otherwise it was it was all radio baby.
0: You got to the morning show, you started off doing news and eventually moved into the anchor chair.
1: Yeah, and um, in 1990, we had a programming change. We had an opening for a program director, and I called Jerry Marshall who was still at WRFC, who gave me my first job in radio, I called him, honestly thinking he would never, ever leave, and I called him, I said, Jerry, we got this opening for PD morning show, what do you think, and and he said yes, I mean, he applied and got the job, and he came, and I was in heaven, because, I mean, this is the guy that gave me my first job in radio, and not only that, but he's a genius. So he came down. We started doing the morning show together. Uh, we did that for 10 or 14 years. And, and in the meantime, we added later in the, the time, we added Vance Shepard to the mix. Then when Jerry decided to retire and go to work for FEMA, then Vance moved into that slot. And so I worked with Vance for about 14 years. And then he decided to move to Montana. And in November of 2019, he left to go to Montana. And in January 2020, I got a guy by the name of James Beerleen in, and he's my morning show partner now.
0: That's that's quite a career. And outside of radio, you're uh, making a lot of inroads in making with MC work, and uh, you've got a voiceover career going. You've actually won some Addies.
1: Yeah. I did win some Addies, yes. In fact, I can see one hanging on my wall right there. Nice. Yeah, and production is, um, you know, for me, I have been so fortunate because I have been aided by so many great people. Uh, Back in the 80s at WDN, there was a a gentleman by the name of Aaron Bowers who was a production genius. Do you know Aaron? No. Have you you ever heard of Aaron Bowers? I've heard the name. I love Aaron Bowers, and he was a really a production genius, and Jerry was too. Uh, Jerry was you. You're not going to believe this, but we would go to Nashville, and we would do some interviews. We do our morning show there, do some interviews. Uh, What we had to go through back then, Jerry actually could edit cassette tape. Get out of
0: town! No, I've
1: seen him do it. He could take a cassette tape and a razor blade and Edit up an interview on cassette
0: no, I've never <laughs> ever seen that done ever I
1: promise so wow. he was he was kind of a production genius too, so um, I had a lot of good good help and I don't know if you know this either, but there was a little time about a six or eight month period. I don't really know what led to him being here, but you know, Bob Raleigh was here for about six or eight months. Yeah. And uh, when I heard Bob Riley was coming, I was so scared. I was scared out of my mind because, you know, I talked to Bob on corporate calls and all that kind of stuff. And then he was going to come be in the building. And I was like, oh, no. But, you know, what? he turned out to be the best guy to work for. He's got a wicked sense of humor and uh, was just he I learned a lot from him. And uh, he was a lot of fun. He can tell you
0: some stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. And so he's a cool guy. But yeah. I was scared to death at first.
0: Raleigh wrote a book about his his uh, time in, in broadcasting. I don't know whether you saw it.
1: Yes, yeah. I did see that. Yeah.
0: So Macon has given you back a lot of things, radio personality of the year from the Central Georgia Addy Federation, best DJ in Macon.com. You're a member of the Georgia Radio Hall of Fame. That's pretty good. That's pretty good for a hometown kid
1: i know that is it's always uh it's always fun when you get those things but it's kind of um i don't know it's like really i mean the the station is is it you know i'm just fortunate enough to work here i just happen to work at the greatest station there is
0: it's a it's it's a big historic set of call letters for sure I want to talk about being a morning personality for a while because doing that, you have the opportunity to hang out with some really interesting people, uh, participate in some things that, that most people never get to participate in. I understand you were on stage singing with Kenny Chesney.
1: Is, <laughs> that, is that true? <laughs> that is a true story. Um, back this was pre-cumulus days. So this would have been in the magic broadcasting days. And, um, we, uh, this, this, I get this phone call. I was at the radio station. I get this phone call from this guy and he says, Hey, he goes, uh, my name's Kenny Chesney and I'm opening up for Confederate railroad tomorrow night at the Macon city auditorium. And, um, And I said, well, where are you? And he said, I'm at the Hilton right across the street. So I step out of the front door and I'm like, look out your window down here. And he, he waves and there he was. And so now Kenny was not signed to a label yet. He was, he was out doing his independent, you know, promotion thing. And so. I said, well, come on over to the radio station Uh, the next morning. Come be on the air with us. So me and Jerry had him over to the radio station that morning. And uh, in fact, I think Jerry, maybe Jerry was off that day because I think it was just me. But anyway, I had him in the studio and I said, "Okay, we're going to take some phone calls from uh, some phone calls for Kenny Chesney, who's opening for Confederate Railroad tomorrow night at the Megan City Auditorium. And and we go live on the phone. We didn't. We we didn't pre-record or anything. We just took a live phone call. Hey, what's your question for Kenny Chesney? And this guy goes, Yeah, look, I got two tickets for the show that I need to sell. And that was the first <laughs> phone call we got. So anyway, so Kenny came down, he did the show. I actually went to dinner with uh Kenny and Danny Shirley he was supposed to go with us, but he stood us up. So we went with uh Danny Shirley's daddy and we all went to Jim Shaw seafood and ate some food and and uh and then kenny and i got to be friends you know he he um we had a big street party deal down here and we had booked um tracy lawrence and the competitor our radio competitor at the time uh they had booked joe diffie and these were you know concerts that were in the same location you could pick whichever one you wanted to go to and at the last minute uh, I mean, like three days before Tracy Lawrence canceled and we got Kenny to come down and fill in for him. Nobody knew who Kenny was yet. So they so, so they had, you know, 20,000 people over here seeing Joe Diffie. And we had 300 people right here seeing Kenny Chesney and we put him up, we put him in our WDEM van and we hoisted him. You could never do this now. We hoisted him, um, about 300 feet in the air and then when it came showtime we lowered him to the stage in our wdem van oh, wow. now remember like 6 months to a year later the guy was a superstar yeah i mean you know and um let me tell you something about Kenny Chesney he never ever ever forgets anybody who helped him i mean he he never does i can email him today and he'll email me back tomorrow he just never forgets anybody. So the last show that he did in Macon was the same day. Um, it was like on a Friday night. And the next day was our chili cook-off. And I had been out there all day at the venue. It was hot. I was sweaty. Uh, and But I'm, I left straight from the venue and I went to the show. And, um, and they said, Oh, we're going to have you come on stage and and sing with Kenny. And I'm like, what, what? Thank goodness back then, nobody really had a cell phone. I mean, there weren't, you know, everybody wasn't getting pictures and video. And uh, so, yeah, I got to go on stage with him and sing hamburger in paradise.
0: So are are you a singer or were you? No,
1: he just, (laughs) no, he just had a whole bunch of people up there. It was just fun.
0: Oh, I love it.
1: He's just that way. I mean, you know he's like oh you're going to be at the show come on up if you've ever been to one of his shows i mean he uh he'll he'll always have some of his friends up on stage with him and stuff singing and hanging out so that's only him making it i mean if i went to atlanta he wouldn't do that for me
0: you know is you're talking about what a, a, a nice guy he is i got to program country for a short time in houston and the one thing i noticed was the country artists are so friendly and so appreciative of radio and they will wander around a radio station and hang with you and just do really fun things that you know having come out of the rock and roll radio it's a whole different atmosphere you don't find that kind of camaraderie from the rock guys
1: yeah that, there's a, the the country guys and gals they're awesome I mean they really are accessible a lot of the time. And, uh, I mean, Jason Aldean's the same way. Um, he's, especially when he's been to his shows in Macon, um, he's done, you know, he's, he did three, three or four, three back-to-back years here in Macon, donating money to, uh, the Children's Hospital and, him we always got to hang out and go backstage and hang out with him and he's he was just he's always really accessible as well but you know he's from here so this is his hometown um but even back a long time ago they were always that way um Aaron Tippin I'll tell you man I'm really really going back there but Aaron Tippin did a show at the Macon Coliseum and and after it was over he set up a table and he sat there and remember the coliseum will hold seven or eight nine thousand people he sat there and signed autographs until the last person was gone i mean he was there half the night yeah. signing autographs i'm gonna and put then i was gonna hmm. i was gonna take this too hmm. because his road manager uh would take down names of people who brought him gifts right? Because people would bring gifts. He would take down their name and address. And then that guy got on his bus and when he was rolling to the next town, he wrote thank you notes.
0: How nice. Wow.
1: Man, they know how to build a fan base. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Who was the, of all the guys you interviewed uh, guys and and ladies who, who was the best interview subject?
1: Mm, The best interview. Wow. I don't. I I don't even. Let me think. Who was the best interview? Uh,
0: well, we'll start. Inter- we'll start in reverse. Who was the worst? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is just radio people gonna be listening to this. No, no country people are gonna be. You know, musicians are going to be tuning in here, so you're not going to take well, a fault. You know, the
1: worst interviews you get are when you get somebody on the phone at seven o'clock in the morning that has been at a show until two o'clock in the morning. I mean, they're just not really excited. Yeah. And they're ready to go to bed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So
1: if you got a bad interview, it was because they didn't get any sleep, not necessarily <laughs> because they were a bad person to interview, you know. So. Um, but there were. um I mean, we interviewed so many fun people, uh, you know, I'm trying to think who was really, really, I mean, Garth, we interviewed Garth. He was fun. Garth is always fun. And, uh, Kenny's always fun and Jason's always good. And, um, and I'll tell you the most embarrassed I was doing an interview.
0: Yeah. I want to hear that.
1: I was in Nashville and, uh, and we were at the Grand Ole Opry and and somehow we got a they were like oh we got Faith Hill she's got 5 minutes that she'll talk to you guys 5 minutes with Faith Hill and um and i think i honestly think that it was Ken Tucker who was the radio rep at the time and he said one of the questions that she likes is she likes to be asked if you were a vegetable which vegetable would you be and i was like okay so we go into the interview and and we sit down with her and, and I go, if you were a vegetable, what kind of vegetable would you want to be? And she looked at me like I was a nutcase. And so he totally set me up. I mean, she looked at me like I was an idiot.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> so of all the promotions you guys, you guys have done down there, what was the best?
1: Ooh, we, we did some, we we did some fun stuff in the day one of the best things we ever did was in 1992 we had a flood in middle georgia and it was it was like the rain stayed over middle georgia for three days nonstop, and it flooded out a lot of businesses and um i mean it was it was terrible we were like at my house we were without water for a week we were going to the fire station to get jugs of water and so we put on a fire relief concert and we had trisha yearwood do that and uh, trisha was awesome because this is her hometown area too so she came down and i mean we paid the sound and the band but she donated and kenny actually came down to that too and he w- that was right before he got his deal with bna and he paid his own way to come. And do that benefit show. So that was a very, very cool thing we did. Raised a lot of money for the community. Um, We've done things like uh, Jerry and Vance and one of our sales guys dressed up as the Dixie Chicks for Halloween. And we went out and raised some money doing that. And, you know, those are the fun things that you do in radio. Sure.
0: Almost forty years, same radio station, and yet you you've seen some tremendous changes in the business in terms of how we do the job and and how you execute the job in the control room. Going from maybe even playing albums or or forty fives to carts to
1: yeah, that's exactly how it went. I mean, I started out playing records, uh, then we went to carts, then we went to CDs. And now it's all on computer.
0: And how has how have you had to grow your skills to keep up with it all? And the reason I'm asking, because part of part of what we're trying to do at Friends of Georgia Radio is reach out to the next generation and help generate um, success for kids who want to get into the business because there are no. There's no farm team, the, the overnight show that we all started on is not there anymore.
1: Right. a lot of
0: radio stations. So, you know, a a kid coming out of college, what are the things they're going to have to know to jump into a radio station like DEN and do well? well?
1: Maybe they would start with something like what you're doing right now, maybe a podcast. Um, It's so hard because there are, you know, rules governing who can come in and out of the station. And it's so hard to try to teach somebody about radio unless they can actually be inside and and do it for themselves um so i think that's a big problem that we have because we're all getting old so who's who's gonna follow us
0: yeah the next generation is what we're all kind of searching for and if you talk to the corporate people they tell you it's it's hard to find young people who know enough about it to walk into the radio station and and do the job? So, where do you, where what would you advise if you had a little sister, you know, just coming out of college or you know coming out of high school, wanting to go into radio? Where would you tell them to start?
1: You know, I guess where we all start some small radio station that um, maybe needs some part time help, where you can get in the door and at least learn a little bit about it uh, before moving on to you know, to a bigger station or to a, I mean, it'd be great if, um, if they had a a place, like I said, where you could go in and watch the DJ. And let's be honest, Dennis, it's not that hard to push the buttons. So that's one thing you got to learn is if you can learn to push the buttons, then you can work on doing the talking.
0: You've done pretty well in, in in voiceover too, and that's also changing. You think you know? It used to be kind of a fallback. Well, I'm 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 between jobs, but I'll do voiceover, and it's harder these days, isn't it, to to make a living at it?
1: I haven't done voiceover work for anybody, and I've mainly done specific client commercials. You know what I mean?
0: Well, the the, the reason I ask because a lot of my friends who do do voiceover are they're, they're more and more. Places, you know, five dollars a holler now with with people just logging on the Internet, offering their voices. And then now they're creating a AI that you've seen the ads on Facebook, uh, probably where, you know, uh, give me the give us the script and our artificial intelligent announcer is going to read it for you.
1: I have seen that. That's some scary stuff.
0: It is scary. <laughs>
1: it is well it is 40 years don't need a human
0: 40 years in making how much longer do you want to do this Laura Starling
1: well let's see I'll be 61 next month and my financial guy says that I need to work till 70 to get the most benefits um so wow maybe I can go another 10 years and hit my 50th I I don't see you slowing down Miss Starling well, I don't want to. Uh, it does get a little bit harder to get out of bed, but otherwise, you know, it's fun time, a lot of good times every single day, um, and it's something I love doing, so...
0: Well, I'm, I'm delighted that we got a chance to spend some time together, and I wish you continued success. I know you're doing great things down there, and and come see us.
1: Well, listen, it was great to meet you.
0: <laughs> Our guest has been Laura Starling, longtime personality in Macon, Georgia, W D I'm Dennis Winslow, and we are all friends of Georgia Radio.
1: Funderbar.